Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Guy Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sun Guy with you as usual. My apologies in advance if my voice is a bit shaky. I am coming off an illness, but voice is still recovering. Some show notes real fast before we jump into it. If you're looking for some pro wrestling this week, a little bit out there as we head into the holidays. Tonight, WCWO at Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, as usual. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. Micromania in Honolulu, Hawaii. Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. And PWA in Lebanon, Tennessee. Tomorrow night, EPW in Odin, Indiana. NEW in Jewett City, Connecticut. BST in Stratford, Connecticut. Supreme back in Madison, Indiana tomorrow. Gold Rush in Frankfort, Kentucky. And BGW in Hurricane, West Virginia. Without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest. He is from Massachusetts. He runs a very, very popular wrestling talk show out of a television station in New Hampshire. Great talk show talks with wrestlers all over the New England area, we would like to welcome to the show today, Leo Connors. Leo, thank you so much for being with us today. Let's see, did we lose him? Leo, do we have you back? What's that? Oh, there we go. We lost you for a minute, but we got you back. Um, thanks so much for being with us today. Definitely appreciate the time. And since it's your first time with us, I will lead you with our traditional first-timer question today. What got you into the business of professional wrestling? Well, I was uh, seven years old flipping channels uh, in my bedroom, and all of a sudden I seen this guy with an Indian headdress kind of bouncing down the ring. And it was uh, Chief J. Strongbow. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I, I just started watching it, and I fell in love with it. Now, you are out of, like I said, the New England area, and that was a hotbed for the WWF, of course. They have long-standing history, pretty much going back to the late 40s, early 50s in that area. There's also been a few other promotions, especially in the territorial days in your area. IWCCW was very big with the Savoldis in that area. Do you do a lot of research and a lot of dive into history of the professional wrestling in and around the New Hampshire area since that's where your show is based? 
I do a little bit, but basically I uh, I interview local wrestlers and um, wrestlers that are no longer wrestling anymore. I also interview fans, you know, ring announcers, play-by-play guys, anybody that wants to come on the show. Very similar to what we do here, for sure. And what was right. it, uh, when you started out the show, what was it that sort of attracted you to that aspect of the wrestling business? I actually enjoy independent wrestling. Um, I do watch the TV wrestling, but I am more of an independent wrestling fan. I follow the Indies across the United States. Now, when you started up the show, I'll be very honest, I don't know a lot about the New Hampshire area as far as professional wrestling goes, how much is out there wrestling-wise or in the surrounding areas. But how hard was it, if at all, for you to start getting guests booked and launching the show where you had regular guests coming on? Well, I've been around the independents for over 20 years. I've uh, I've wrapped. I've catered for Ring of Honor, their first few shows in Massachusetts. Um, And I just wanted to interview independent guys, and it was hard to get guests at first. Luckily, I have two friends that are pro wrestlers, and they've got a lot of respect around here. guy by the name of Maverick Wilde, who used to wrestle on Nitro as enhancement talent. And Sonny Goodspeed, another local wrestler around here. And anybody that wouldn't answer me, once they talked to them, they hit me right up to be on the show. Now, in the show's home space in New Hampshire, yes. we know that Brian Molinas out of Ring of Honor, of course, a big star. He's out of New Hampshire. If you go back a couple of generations, Dangerous Danny Davis was always billed as being from New Hampshire. I believe he still lives in that area. Are there yeah. other well-known wrestlers that either come from New Hampshire or have relocated to New Hampshire, to your knowledge? Well, yeah. The hottest thing going in NXT, because he can't miss, Carmelo Hayes is from this area. Very nice, and he is making a very big splash in the last few weeks there for WWE. Yes, and he um, he also was on my show on episode 126. There we go. Fans should definitely go back in the archives, check that one. Absolutely. I know in addition it, to doing the talk show, you do go to a lot of live events, and you've worn a few different hats uh, doing that. I know you've done a few different jobs for independent companies. Do you like the live event aspect of things in comparison to doing a talk show, or are they completely different in your mind? Well, yeah, they're different because, I mean, when I go to a show, I just enjoy watching the wrestling. I dispel belief. I'm not one of the fans that sit there and think they know everything. 
you know what I mean? For sure. And uh, so I um I enjoy going to shows. I enjoy having the guests. I have I have stepped out in New England for a couple of episodes, uh, but those were basically done for me, friends of mine that I had met over the years. And do you follow very closely the national scene when it comes to independent wrestling? Are you looking at YouTube or Fight TV or IW TV, anything like that, to kind of keep abreast of wrestling outside of your area, or do you more concentrate on what's more local to you? Well, what's more local to me, but I do follow, like, the bigger companies like, you know, GCW and stuff. Um, but I basically try to stick to New England, but I do have my hand the pulse on all independents. You know what I mean? But I do focus more on New England. Now, for the wrestlers that, are in New England, or if they're going to tour New England, perhaps, and they would be interested in getting an interview with you, what are the steps someone would need to take in order to try to make that happen? Uh, just, just hit me up. Um, right now, we're not doing Skype interviews uh, from, the radio, from the TV station. They want me to start doing Skype some Skype interviews from the radio station that the public access company owns. Um, so I'll be doing that soon. Now that our school has ended, I work at a school, so there's really hard uh, time to get in the radio station in the afternoon. But uh, now that it's summertime, I'm a little more free to go down to the radio station and eventually start doing a few more Skype interviews with guys from down in, like, Connecticut, in Rhode Island, guys that don't want to really take the four- to five-hour drive up here. Now, I imagine that there have been wrestlers that aren't necessarily from your area that have stumbled across the show on YouTube or whatever. Do you get a lot of messages from outside of the area, just asking, hey, if I'm out that way, could I get on the show and maybe get on a waiting list, that type of thing? Uh, no, I, I actually don't get many um, many calls. I usually just ask people to do the show. Not, not a lot of people hit me up, you know. I average about, you know, 200 views an episode in the span of a month, and then from there it, it could take off or it couldn't, you know what I mean? Like uh, the one with Car- Carmelo Hayes, who was going by Christian Casanova back then, you know, he uh, he's up to like 800 views, you know. And I've been doing the show now for almost, it'll be eight years in October. Very good run, for sure. How since you've done yeah, this show, especially I've eight years under your belt now, in your daily life, just going around town to the store or going to the post office or whatever, do you get a lot of people that recognize you from the show and come up to talk wrestling or get an autograph or a picture? 
Yeah, I've actually had people stop me in the stores, but I do get more looks from people, and they don't say anything. And I know exactly why they're looking, you know, because they've seen me on the public access, and they're looking at me like, hey, is that that guy that I saw on TV? But not a lot of people say anything. But I have had, I had one kid who worked at a, at a market basket, which is a supermarket, he hit me up, and he's like, hey, do you have that show? And I'm like, yes. And he said, did you ever think of having fans on the show? And I'm like, yeah. So I booked them, you know. And that, that kid has started his own podcast, uh, B13 Randomness by Brandon Belanger. Give him a little plug. Uh, who's been on my show about seven times. But then my Nothing wrong with that. We'd like to have... The occasional fan on this show as well, just for similar reasons. Right. But I've had um I don't know do you do you know a lot about the independence? I know a fair amount about independence, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I've had on my show I've had um Deranged, who was from Ring of Honor, um, early years. He was in the Special K faction. His name is Jonathan Ramirez, and I had him on the show. And I also had the legend from ECWA, Mr. Ulala, on the show. Mr. Ulala, regular in the PWA 500 for a long time. Yes. And also I had, um, I had a referee. His name is Sean Wiggins. Uh, he went by the name of Rep Sean Hansen in Jersey All Pro, Ring of Honor, um, and working for Frank Goodman, Jack Balian. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't rep no more. He's a family man now. But I had him on the show, and he's gonna do more, but through the Skype, through the radio station. As uh, me and him, are pretty, we pretty much became best friends over the past 23 years. As far as marketing the show, do you do anything to get the word out there, like business cards, flyers? Do you print merchandise up to try to get the name out there? Do you do anything other than doing the show on the television? Ah, uh, not really. I did. I did do. I did do some shirts. They sold okay. Um, I think I still have some. But basically, no, I just basically keep it to the local access. Um, yeah, I, I don't really uh, do a lot of promoting. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the most unprofessional host you'll ever see. I do it because I want to give, I want a spotlight on the New England talent. You know what I mean? Um, there's so much talent here. You would not believe, I could sit here for 10 minutes and name guys that have made it to TV that are from New England that I've seen from the first day they wrestled. Guys like Ivar of the Viking Raiders, Sasha Banks, who's not what, Mercedes Monet. Um, who else? Is it Kofi Kingston. You know, all those guys have, uh, have you know, started their career in New England. And there's more, too. I just right now, I, for some reason, I can't think of their names. A lot of people over the years that have done 
talk shows of this nature like you do, uh, they have used it almost as like a side business where they try to do merchandise. Uh, You said you don't do much like that, but they try to use it as a way to get into the mainstream wrestling, whether it's on the independents or the national stage. They'll use the talk show to kind of springboard onto a show in a manager capacity or helping with the booking or whatever the case may be. Have you used the talk show as a way to get on to live events on the ones you've done? I know. I, I have no desire to be in the wrestling business. I'm a, I, that's something that I say on my show a lot. I am not in the wrestling business. I am around it. Now, one of the guys I brought up earlier, Sonny Goodspeed, he likes to tell me that I'm business adjacent because I've been around so long and that I shouldn't pay for tickets to go to shows. And that's not me. I give my money. You know what I mean? To the hard work and promoter in there, you know? Um, I don't uh, I don't try to get any freebies or anything like that, you know? I feel weird. Like, I actually went to one show with Sonny where he didn't make me pay, and I'm standing inside the building, and he's like, what's the matter with you? And I said, I feel weird. I didn't pay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm there to support the wrestlers and, and the promotion. So it felt really weird to not pay. You know what I mean? I definitely get that for sure. But uh, I've, I've oh, interviewed, I, I also interviewed a female boxer. Her name is Rita Figueroa. We became friends on Facebook. In her last fight, she had to have surgery, and they cut her head wide open. And luckily, everything worked out good. But she was the very first guest that I stepped away from, New England. And it was in episode three. And the reason why is because I couldn't get guests. You know what I mean? I got a guest for the first episode, but that was done as a real big favor to me, you know? Um, I did the second one alone, which I hated. I absolutely hated doing it alone. So I brought in a co-host. But I did ask Rita, and she came on the third show. We talked all about her boxing career. We talked to her for about a half an hour. And it was an excellent interview, um, I've interviewed quite a lot of big local names, names that you might not know, but wrestling fans around here would know. Like Brian Maloney. You know, I've had Brian on the show. Brian was a great guest. I've actually been on his old podcast uh, with Mike Crockett, the uh, wrestling podcast about nothing. I don't know if you had ever heard of that. But that was a really good podcast. They stopped at 200 episodes. Now, obviously, having a background in broadcasting like you do, have you ever considered doing voice work for different companies, not necessarily being a talent, per se, in front of the fans, but maybe doing voiceover work when they do commercials or promo packages or maybe doing a little bit of announcing for television spots that independent companies might be doing? I would definitely be interested in that for sure. Um, But I haven't reached out and asked anybody. The, um, 
the only dream I ever had was to be on the radio. And about 35 years ago, um, there was a really big radio station here in Boston called uh, WAAF. And I was working at a restaurant. And we, I, I called the uh, radio station up and asked them if we could bring them some food. And, you know, maybe they could plug us on the air. So they did. And uh, he turns around. And um, the guy, the, the DJ, John Osterlin, Ozone, said to me, hey, if your cooking career goes south, you have a great voice for radio. And I was like, kind of took me aback, like, because here's a guy that I respected and loved listening to him on the radio, telling me that I had a great voice for radio. So I have thought of doing voiceover work, but I, my job keeps me very, very busy. Lots of overtime at my, at my job, and I work a lot of it. Hopefully down the line, something don't work out and let you do a little bit of voice work. Yeah, I would definitely be interested for sure. Um, Sonny actually did try to get me a gig doing a commentary up in Maine, but unfortunately it was on the day I had a wedding to attend, so I couldn't do it. So that could have opened the door right there, you know what I mean? And again, um, I get help from wrestlers. If If somebody won't answer me or whatever, I just talk to those guys and like I said, man, within a day, they usually change that person's mind and they come on the show. Now, many, many, many years ago, when the WWF was first going in its national expansion phase, they came out with a TV show called TNT, which was sort of a spoof on late-night talk shows at the time where they would interview wrestlers and play clips of matches during the shows. They would do vignettes and uh, do a lot of -of out-of-the-box things that you didn't typically see on a wrestling program. Were you a big fan of shows like TNT that stepped out of the normal box of what professional wrestling is and tried to appeal to a more wide audience? Yes, I was a huge fan of my Tuesday Night Titans. I don't know if you know this, but I'm 58 years old, so I've been watching wrestling since 1972. You know, that's 51 years I've been watching uh, professional wrestling. So, But, yeah, I was a huge fan of anything wrestling. I mean, growing up, I didn't really know about the independence when I was little, you know, and like how you said, um, that wrestling was, you know, heavy in New England. It was. Uh, there's a place called Jack Witchie in Massachusetts where they had shows every single Friday night, every Friday at Jack Witchie's. WWWF would appear there. And when you first noticed independent wrestling, what would you say was the reaction you had seeing an independent show versus what you had always seen with the WWF? I noticed that uh, you could get a lot closer to the wrestlers at independent shows. Um, 
It was amazing. In, in the first indi- independent show I went to, I don't know if you know who this guy is, but his name was Tony Rumble. And he was a legend in New England independent wrestling. And I went to one of his shows, and I also went to um, some of Killer Kowalski's old shows where he would have guys coming back from injury from the WWF um, or guys that, you know, um, guys that just uh, were not being used by the WWF. You know, they would send them to Killer, and Killer would use them. Matter of fact, there was a show in Bill Ricker that, some other guy put on. He ended up having the Ultimate Warrior at an independent show in Billerica, Massachusetts. And this is after he left the WWF the first time. And he wrestled Terry Von Eric. I mentioned a minute ago Tony Rumble, and he was a really big name in the independent scene in the late 80s through the mid-90s in the New England area. Yes. Like I said, WCCW was a pretty big company, independent-wise. Do you think that companies like that that not only had a lot of legendary wrestlers working for it, but also produced a ton of guys that went on to be stars like Taz, the Dudley Boys, Tommy Dreamer, the Sandman, do you think that they get the respect that they really deserve for all that they accomplished as an independent, or do you think that their spot in history is what it should be? Well, some of the guys you named ended up going on to bigger and better things, you know what I mean? Um, it's more like if you want to ask about guys like the Joey Mag and stuff like that. Uh, but like Taz and anybody that ended up going to ECW, they learned a lot and, and benefited from the Savoldi's using them. A good example of Tommy Dreamer, who was just a handsome young guy. You know what I mean? And I think he went by TK, no, TQ Madison or something like that. I know he had a, a kayfabe brother that was a Madison in the IWCCW. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think any of the guys that made it, made it out there, you know, like the ECW, they were used well. And, and IWCCW was a very good company who, uh, who gave lots of guys chances, brought guys up from Florida, guys like Blackjack Mulligan and Kevin Sullivan and, Mark uh, Lewin, the Purple Haze. So it was pretty, uh, that, that to me was more of a, I wouldn't, like, I know it was an independent company, but because we had it on TV here, I didn't look at that company as an independent company until I went to one of their shows at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, which is the city I grew up in, Lowell, Mass. Um, you might know somebody from uh, from Lowell, Mass. A guy by the name of Irish Mickey Woods, a boxer. For sure, yeah. So yeah, Lowell, um, big time wrestling town. Big time. I mean, they had wrestled all the time. Matter of fact, I got a funny story to tell you, Jason. Um, in 1976, I was 11 years old. And in my neighborhood, right in my neighborhood, a five-minute walk from my house, there was an ice skating rink. 
and all of a sudden the WWF, or w, actually WWWF, was coming to the skating rink. So we all bought tickets. They ran three shows. They ran one in June, one in July, and one in August. And in one of the shows, there was a match between a guy by the name of Jose Gonzalez versus a guy by the name of Bruiser Brody. And if you know that story, then you know that Jose Gonzalez had said Brody bullied him. I wonder, did he bully him in the ring in front of an 11-year-old me? Very, very possibly he did. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. But I think wrestling came to to Lowell every other month, every three months or whatever, forever. They still come to Lowell. Um, NXT has run the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, and NXT actually just ran the uh, Paul Songus Arena. Uh, Paul Songus was a, a politician from Massachusetts. And they named an arena after him. He was a great man, great politician. He's passed away now over 25 years, 30 years. But uh, NXT was there. And as a matter of fact, it was the match where uh, Ron Breaker took on Carmelo Hayes for Hayes' uh, NXT world title. There we go. I go to more independent shows than I do. WWE, but I do try not to miss NXT, which I consider kind of, I know it's WWE, but it's kind of run like an indie in a way, you know? A lot of the talent comes right out of the independence, so. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that vibe as well. Yeah, I enjoy it. When you are doing your talk show, One of the things I've noticed doing live events, and sometimes on our program as well we run into it, a lot of wrestlers, when they start speaking, will lose the filter that stops them from using inappropriate language or just really saying anything that comes to mind. I know especially when you're trying to present a show for a wider audience, one that is going to be family acceptable, that can be a problem. Have you ran into many instances where a guest would just start slipping and using language that wasn't really what you wanted it to be? Yeah, yeah, that happens here and there. Not too, not as much as at the beginning, um, I don't know if you – have you ever heard of an independent wrestler right now out of Boston named Alex Price? Yes. Okay. Can I swear on him? Go for it. Or would you rather have me not? Because I want to say what Alex Price We'll strive for PG-13 today. What's that? We'll strive for PG-13 today. Okay, well – Alex said, I asked about a wrestler, and he said, that F in da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and I just looked at him like, why would you, like, he put four big square words in a row. And I just looked at him. But luckily, we were, we were live, but we taped it for the TV, too. Do you know what I mean? Like, it went out live. 
in, but we they edited for the television, and they edited that out. But, yeah, that was like, I just couldn't believe it. But, Alex, going back to Alex Price, just to talk about him, he is one incredible wrestler. I do not think he's going to be around New England much longer. A lot of people say he's on the thin side. Yeah, he is, but he's got some height. He's like six feet, six one, um, and he is so, so talented. Right now, we have a lot of talent in New England. There are more than 30 promotions in New England running right now. Lots of wrestling out there. That's good to hear. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, and then we have some, even have like a bigger company. You, have, have you, you must have heard of Beyond Wrestling. Oh, for sure. Right. I mean, they got what, a couple million dollars, a couple million, not dollar, a couple million uh, YouTube uh, followers there, subscribers. Um, they put on shows on Thursday nights. There's also a group now that puts on a show on Wednesday night, either once a month or twice a month, and that's called Focus Pro Wrestling. They just started up, but they're running Wednesday nights. Beyond, beyond All Wrestling Open, whichever one you want to call it, it's pretty much the same thing, if I'm not mistaken, you know? But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. They run Thursdays, you know, and then you got your regular Friday night, Saturday night, and sometimes Sunday. Um, there is a company that just uh, started up, up up here called the Wrestling Federation of America. Now, I'm sorry, it didn't just start. It was run by Stephen Bradley. Do you remember Steve Bradley? Yeah, out of the Chicago area. No, he was from the, uh, the New England area, but he ran. Uh, he he was signed by the WWE de- developmental. He was down in. Uh, he had a huge feud with Kurt Angle in Memphis, and Kurt actually thanked and mentioned Steve Bradley in his Hall of Fame speech. And Steve had already been passed away from a drug overdose, but one of his students has started it up, and uh, I think their second show they had Dave Sapolsky. At the at there looking at the show, checking out the wrestlers, and uh, this weekend, Doctor Tom Pritchard's gonna be in my town where I live now in Nashua, New Hampshire. Tom's gonna Doctor Tom's gonna be here in uh, Nashua and in Concord, where uh, WFA calls home, Concord, New Hampshire. I'm looking. At the state of New Hampshire in particular, I know it's one of the smaller states, but how many professional wrestling promotions are in just the New Hampshire area? New Hampshire area. Right now there is three promotions running in New Hampshire. That's it. Most of them run in Mass or Rhode Island. And there's a lot in Maine, too. You must... Limitless Wrestling is up in Maine, and they're killing it. They are, their promoter is a young kid named Randy Kama, who, if he's 25, I'd be shocked. Um, but he can, he packed the place. Great promoter. One of the smartest promoters I've ever seen. And, like I said, he's very young. He's been doing this for about nine, he's been doing this since he was a teenager himself. 
running shows. Now, when you go around to different shows and even with your talk show, do you see a larger fan base in New Hampshire as far as wrestling fans compared to if you were to go to Rhode Island or Massachusetts? Do you think there's more fans per capita in New Hampshire, even though it's a smaller state, or do you think that the fan base is a little bit less in New Hampshire compared to its neighbors? I would say a little bit less. Um, like I was saying, how uh, I went, there's a company called Top Rope, which is one of the one of the oldest independent companies in history. They used to go under the name of Yankee Pro Wrestling. Now, there was a falling out between the head promoter of Top Rope and a couple of his top guys. Now, his two top guys have now decided to run shows themselves. And, uh, and one guy's name is Teddy Good, and he's a great worker, and he packs the place. He had a show at the beach, and he had over 300 people at the show at the beach. And, and the other one, his name's Ryan Drew, but he wrestles on the H2O Ryan Waters. And he's been packing this uh, American Legion. I mean, I've never seen a Legion packed as much as them. And these are more like in Fall River in Brockton, and also, though, Rhode Island has a really, really, really big fan base, real big. Now, since you've been going to wrestling shows for quite a number of years, do you have a collection of memorabilia that you've procured over the years? Do you have a, a lot of T-shirts or books or magazines, anything yes. that you collect wrestling-wise? Yes. I am a magazine collector. I have close to a 1,000 wrestling magazines. Um, I do like uh, I like to get pictures, not really autographs, you know. Um, but when I did, I told you how I catered for Ring of Honor at the early days. And that's when, before RF lost the company, I, uh, I used to bring food to them, and then Rob would give me merchandise. And the first time I did it, I got there with a lot of food, and he tried to hand me, like, a small box of DVDs. And I told him, that's not going to work. So I brought him to where I had all the food, and he saw the amount of food and said, you can take worth of stuff, no problem, you know, Um, because, again, it was merchandise, you know. So I got a lot of merchandise that way, and I have sold merchandise. I have rented a table at shows, and uh, I actually, a couple years ago, I decided to get back into it with, uh, you know, Anthony Green? I'm familiar with the name. Anthony Green, he wrestled in NXT as Austin uh, Austin Gray or something like that. Um, but he's a local guy. We're signed to the WWE. Um, he had been signed to Evolve before the WWE purchased them. Uh, he was running shows uh, called uh, Zero One New England off of the Zero One in Japan. And uh, he... Um, he uh, I knew he was going to promote really hard compared to some other promoters. 
So I asked him, I said, hey, can I sell my merchandise at your shows? And he rent me the table for 50 bucks, and uh, I did all his shows, and he had 150 to over 200 people at every show because I knew he was going to work hard, and I knew if I was going to sell my merchandise, I might as well go to a place that packs them in. You said you don't really do merchandise for your own uh, needs for your show or for yourself, but do you get merchandise from other talk shows? Like, do you do, like, podcast merchandise, TV show merchandise, stuff like that to kind of help the people in the same type of genre where you work in the wrestling business? No, that's a great idea, though. That is a great idea. I really should do something like that. But I support other podcasts. I support other, you know, um, public access shows by buying shirts from them and stuff like that, sharing their show. You know what I mean? Um, I got another friend of mine uh, named Dan Bolia who runs a show in uh, in, uh, Merrimack, New Hampshire, called Let Freedom Ring. It's based off of New Hampshire, you know, like how, you know, live free – and uh, so he uh, he had me on his show as his 200th guest, and I was pretty honored to be on the show. You know, that was like the fifth time I was on. But I support him. I share all his shows. Every single one of his shows I share, you know, because we got to help each other out. Absolutely. And we're a few months away from the holiday season, but looking down the road a bit, if you were to recommend some wrestling merchandise that is available for people to buy for the wrestling fans on their gift-giving needs list, what are some of the things you would throw out there that might might be really great holiday gifts? Well, that's a great question. I think that pictures from the set would do good. I do. You know what I mean? With certain, like certain wrestlers, if I had pictures from on the set with the green screen and without the green screen, uh, I think that would do really well. Um, Yeah, that, like I was telling you earlier, I work a lot. Um, I do my show basically just to, to do it, to showcase a talent in New England, I have absolutely no desire to go on to bigger and better things. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm very content on just doing my small little piece. And when you do your show, do you have anyone that was sort of an inspiration as far as the style that you like to do as an announcer or the format of the show? Do you have like a, whether it's a mainstream talk show or a wrestling-based talk show, do you have those inspirations that you sort of borrowed aspects and brought over to what you do? Yeah, I guess um, a little bit of like uh, David Letterman. I mean, obviously I'm not David Letterman or anything like that, but I try to be pretty funny. I try to keep it a show very upbeat, kind of funny if possible. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, 
I don't really have anybody that I saw on TV other than like late night talk show hosts that made me want to do this. I just know I wanted to do a talk show with New England independent wrestlers from day one. From the day I talked to the guys at the studio, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. But it took a while to really get there. I just passed 301 episodes this past Monday. So I've been doing it for quite a while. And I enjoy it. My small little piece of the pie. When you do interviews with various wrestlers, I know sometimes, even here on our show, and I've seen this on other shows, other podcasts, where wrestlers will sort of be reluctant to give very detailed answers. A lot of times they'll be very, very clipped in what they say. They don't really expand on much. Do you run into any difficulties with the occasional guests that even though they're doing the interview and amicable, they just may not be providing very much as far as detailed answers? Yes, I actually have a couple of uh, a couple of examples. I had a wrestler uh, come on the show. He also was a, is a very, very good tattoo artist. And I would bring up something, I'd bring up a name, and I'd say, you want to talk about him? And he'd go, no. And I'm looking at him like, what are you here for then? If you're going to tell me no to every question, you know? And, uh, oh, God, my phone, I thought I put my phone on uh, on Do Not Disturb, but it didn't, sorry. Um, but uh, so I ended up talking about a tattoo shop, and it was an incredible interview. You know what I mean? Because I changed it up. I also had, uh, you know, a guy by the name of Flip Gordon? Oh, yeah. Well, Flip was on, and he had been traveling from uh, Texas since like 536 o'clock in the morning. And and he turns around, and he's very short-answered. And he's one of the only episodes that I ever uh, stopped early. You know, because I knew he was tired and stuff. And that clip actually had never answered my five messages I sent them. And then I had a guy by the name of Dave Padula from Rhode Island on the show. And he said, hey, because I've known Dave for years. And he's like, if you need any help, he said, do you know, uh, do you have anybody that hasn't answered you? And I said, yeah, Flip Gordon. And he goes, really? I go, yeah. He goes, all right, I'll call you tomorrow. He turned around, called me the next day, and said, yeah, give us a date. So I gave him a date. He said, yep, we'll be there. Incredible. Incredible. But other than that, most guys do answer the questions. I did have a, um, an autistic kid that was wrestling, and, and I kept it to a half an hour because I wanted him to shine, and I thought an hour would have been too much for him. You know what I mean? And uh, and I got a great interview out of it. Sonny, the guy that I mentioned earlier to help me get this, did say on my show that I have, but he interviewed me, that I have this uncanny way of getting an interview out of somebody who don't really want to do the interview. But they're there. 
So I, I, uh, I do find that once in a while, but I'm actually pretty good at getting a good interview out of them if I feel it's taken. And on the flip side of that, we also have seen where wrestlers who generally do love to talk will get carried away and they will go on a long tirade. They may go way off topic for several minutes and not even remember what the actual question was. Uh, Some people you'll ask one question and they'll give you an hour just on that. Have you ever had to cut someone off? to fit the time constraints of what you have on a TV show. Yeah, I have a couple of times, but there was one time, and this is a great story. Um, there was a guy from New Hampshire that was a pro wrestler. And back in the you know 70s and 80s, he was trained by Killer Kowalski. He made it kind of big in Vancouver working for Al Tomko. And that guy's name is uh, Jeff Costa. He uh, ran for the presidency of the United States as the lobster man. I don't know if you remember that. I do not. Okay. Well, Jeff was on the show. He he was brought by Maverick Wild as a favorite to me. And we were going to continue to do the certain episode that I wanted to do on the show. But Jeff started talking for seven minutes, and I looked at my other guests and said, scrap that. Let's just talk to Jeff. And... He went on and on and on. And, yes, at the end, I had to cut him off at the end because he wouldn't stop. And the friggin' thing was going on plus five minutes because it's minus and then it goes past. I'm like, I said to him after, I'm like, you know, I'm glad you had you on the show, but you got to kind of pay attention to those lights, the numbers. So. You said you have done this for eight years. Do you have any type of goals that you want to hit in the next few years with the show? Do you want to have anyone specific on? Do you want to hit any certain numbers with the show? Do you want to see merchandise sale, anything like that? Well, I think think I'd like to try to do some merchandise, maybe some pictures and stuff from the set, things like that, Uh, maybe shirts again. But uh, I'd like to do it. Right now, my number I have in my head is 500. You know, like I said, I just passed over 301. Um, I was going to stop. There was a point in independent wrestling not that long ago that really pissed me off, and I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And then I realized that it wasn't my fight, and I wanted to continue to do this. Um, I just, you know, real quick, I won't get into it, but a friend was wrong, in my opinion, and I had a a real hard time with that, you know, even though it wasn't my fight, you know, when you're my friend, you're my friend, and I'd go to war with you, you know what I mean, and I thought he was done wrong, so, but I'm glad I changed my mind, and I do have a goal of uh, 500 episodes right now. You know, I'm almost 60, Jason. I'm uh, 58. I'll be 60 in 15 months. So, you know, I don't know how much. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to say 500 is where I'm going to try to stop it at, 500 episodes. 
Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show here today. I want to make sure you have ample time. If you have anything at all you want to say, if you want to plug and promote anything and everything, your talk shows, social media, upcoming events, anything you want, the floor is all yours. All right, great. Listen, you can find me at uh, Instagram and Facebook under Leo Connors. That's uh, Leo, then Connors, C-O-N-N-O-R-S. You can watch my show, The Ring and All Other Sports, on YouTube uh, under under my name. And also, uh, and wa- yeah, watch the show. Uh, leave comments, you know, send me friend requests, anything. If you like wrestling, then I like you because I like wrestling, you know? Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you, Jace, for having me on. I was very surprised. Not very often do I get interviewed. I, I do have a couple under my belt, but I want to thank you for this opportunity to reach a, a new, you know, a, a broader audience, you know? And I really, I really appreciate it very much, and I thank you again. Our pleasure to have you on here. We definitely appreciate it. You're always welcome back, and I want to wish you continued success with your show, and I hope you make that 500 episodes easily. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Take care. All right. Fans, if you have not checked out Leo's show, make sure you find it on YouTube. Go check out his social media. You can find the links. It's a really, really good show. He's got a lot of great guests out of New England, so I think fans will like it no matter where you are located. And as we wrap up today, don't forget, Sunday afternoon we'll be back with you. We have James Avery out of Ohio. He is the head trainer of the Ohio Pro Wrestling Academy School. Also a very accomplished professional wrestler in his own right. He will be here talking with us about pro wrestling one week from this very day. Blake Money Wright will be joining us, one of the big-time stars out of WCWO in Indianapolis, making waves across the country in the last several months. Looking forward to having him on the show. But as we end things, some sad news to report today. The wrestling world is mourning the loss of Darren Drozdoff. Whether you know him best as Puke or as Draws, most fans remember that he was paralyzed after an in-ring injury, and lost his career just a few years into it. But he was very upbeat, very positive after that. He remained in the WWE in some capacity for quite a while. But he sadly lost his life earlier today. So as we end the program, we will salute him with our traditional tin bells. <laughs>